Praise the Lord. Jesus is worthy of our praise, isn't he? Give your neighbor a high five. Tell him you're looking great this morning. And you may be seated. Hey, turn your Bibles this morning. John's Gospel, John chapter 2. And I've been doing a series the last couple of weeks called Supernatural. Supernatural in the sense is, is that God is a supernatural God. I mean, well, you cannot even utter his name or think of his attributes or character or virtue without realizing he is supernatural, which simply means that God operates outside of the realm of natural laws. God's not bound by natural laws, natural processes. He invented them, he created them, he sustains them, and he can interrupt them at will. But not only is God supernatural, but the gist of the series is the Scripture teaches is that we can have a supernatural life. And I want to explain to you what that means. I believe a, a better definition of supernatural more broadly is that any way that God is involved in the human affairs is supernatural. Anyway, I mean, whether it's an extraordinary miracle like Moses in the Red Sea, uh, a miraculous healing, but how about when someone becomes a Christian and gets saved? That's, right. That's supernatural. Scripture teaches us that no man can come to the Father unless what? The Spirit draws him. So how many know the activity of the Holy Spirit is supernatural? Uh, when you have a prayer that's answered, how many know that's supernatural? When you're having dialogue with God, when you're in a, a crisis situation, as, as we are oftentimes, but in the middle of the crisis you find the peace of God, how many know that's supernatural? So I've been trying to show you in this series is, is literally that God wants to be involved in our lives. It's not weird. It's not spooky. It's not mystical. It's not only for a select few, but God wants relationship with us, and he wants to be involved in our lives. Now, the whole idea of supernatural, there's a spectrum or there's a continuum. You remember we talked about the, the idea of naturalism. That's what secular people believe. They don't believe there is a God, and hence there's nothing supernatural. Everything has a natural cause. If you've gone to school in America the last 50 years, that's what you've been taught. It's not true, but it's what you've been taught. Those that believe in, in God, uh, you could have the view of a deist, which believes that God created the world, but he's not involved anymore. You could have the view of a cessationist, which believes that God created the world, God did miracles in the Bible, but when the apostles died, the Bible, the canon was brought together, then miracles ceased. Or you could be what I am, and I hope you are, is a biblical literalist, which literally means that you believe the Bible is the Word of God, and it's literally true for us today. So if the Bible tells me that I can pray and God hears me and God answers my prayers, that God will lead me, that God will guide me, that God will provide for me as I pray daily bread, I literally believe that, and hence that gives me faith to believe that God will do it. So that's kind of been what we're talking about. Last week we talked to, uh, about uh, opening the door, opening the door of the supernatural. And again, this is not intended to be a formula. If you do A, B, C, D, automatically happens. But rather, it's intended to look at principles in the Bible, scriptures, promises, examples of other people, so we might align ourselves more with this idea. And last year, last week, we talked about how faith opens the door of the supernatural. Remember Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Yeah, without faith, it's impossible. And I got an email this week. It was a pretty neat one from a, a member of our church. And he said, I decided I would apply this, the teaching of faith and the supernatural on my job. And he said, uh, I, I'm, in pest control, I'm in the pest control business. And I had this huge apartment complex that I, I take care of the termites on. And he said, now, Pastor, the termite traps, they're about this big, but you bury them in the ground. You've got wood buried in the ground. And uh, over time, they get covered with dirt. Grass grows up. And they're hard to find because you just check them every three months or so. And he said, I decided because it takes me so much time. I get hot. I'm sweaty. And I'm just poking in the ground trying to find them. I, I prayed. And I said, Lord, would you show me where those traps are today? 
Would you guide me as I go around trying to find these traps? And he said, Pastor, I have never found those traps as quickly as I found them this time. And I believe it was because the Lord was leading me. So this idea of supernatural is not just Moses in the Red Sea. It is everyday Christian living where God's involved in our life in a very real way, in a very tangible way, and we have faith to expect it. Now, last week was about faith opening the door. And this week we're going to talk about obedience opens the door. So let's explore it. our text, John chapter 2, verse 1. It's the story of the, uh, the first miracle that Jesus uh, was involved in. And it's at a wedding. Scripture says, John 2, verse 1, there was a wedding in the town of Cana in Galilee. Notice Jesus' mother was there. Jesus and his followers were also invited. So let's imagine we're in a room, 200 people are in an area, perhaps 300 people, Jesus. I mean, everybody's there and they're talking. Uh, verse 3, all the wine was gone. So Jesus' mother said to him, Son, they have no more wine. Now, Jesus answered, replied to her, Dear woman, why do you come to me? My time has not yet come. In other words, it's not time yet for me to enter into uh, my ministry as the Son of God. So, uh, okay, just lighten up, Mom. Well, how many know moms have a way of getting their way with their boys? Well, now Jesus was the Son of God, but he was also the Son of Man. He was born to the Virgin Mary, once again a supernatural act, and he just basically said, yes, Mom. Now notice, and this is where the story gets interesting and relevant to us. His mother said to the servants, and I want you to say this with me, do whatever he tells you to do. Can you say that again? Do whatever he tells you to do. Can I tell you, that's probably the best advice in the whole New Testament as far as your walk with God. Do whatever Jesus tells you to do. Well, verse 6, now how many know there's a, there, we have a, a choice then when the Lord tells us to say yes to it or to say no to it? Well, verse 6, in that place there were six stone water jars. The Bible tells us big ceramic uh, you know, uh, clay pots. They're from 20 to 30 gallons. So these things are really big. Uh, uh, in uh, verse 7, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And notice what they did. They obeyed. They filled the jars to the top. They didn't just do a little bit, very significant. And then verse 9, when the master of ceremonies tasted it, the water had become wine. Now, let me ask you this question. Did that literally happen? Did literally the chemical makeup, the composition of that water, was it literally changed to become wine? Well, the Bible teaches very clearly that it was. That it was a supernatural act. If you can imagine now, let's just say these guys, they go out to the well and they're, they're getting pitchers of water and they come in and they've got this big, big, big uh, 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 clay pot, say 20 gallons, and they just start pouring water in it. And as they pour water in it, something is... Someone should call Charisma and get them down here pretty quick here. Water is becoming wine. It's a nice uh, Cabernet, I think. What do you think? It's actually food coloring. But Jesus didn't use food coloring. He didn't use food coloring, and he really did it. But the key in this passage was, how did it happen? Now, in today's world, we're obviously thinking, how did the magician do that trick? Well, this was not a trick. This was a supernatural thing that Jesus did. It literally happened. And I'll tell you exactly how it happened. The servants just did what Jesus told them to do. They just did what Jesus told them to do. And when they did what Jesus told them to do, something supernatural happened. 
And I'm going to suggest to you that that's a pattern throughout the Scripture. And uh, let's explore it a little bit this morning as we entitle this Open the Door Part 2. And hopefully I can prompt you to live a life of obedience to the Holy Spirit and to the Word of God so we see these same type things in our life. Now, let me give you uh, just some examples in the Bible. As we look in the Bible, uh, you will see this principle of obedience in the supernatural linked together throughout the pages of the Bible. Uh, For example, Noah. Why was Noah saved when the great flood came to the earth? Only one reason. He obeyed God and built the ark. He was not just saved because he built the ark, but understand, he built it out of obedience to God. You remember Moses, the great deliverer of the children of Israel. Uh, Well, how did that happen? He obeyed God at the burning bush. First, he gave two pages of excuses in my Bible, but finally he said, yes, Lord. How many know you can say, Lord, I don't know, I don't think, maybe, blah, 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 blah. But sooner or later, everybody needed to say, yes, Lord. He obeyed, and then God did miracles in Egypt. How about a guy named Naaman, the Old Testament? He's a military leader. He's got a skin disease. He goes to the prophet. The prophet says, go dip in the river, and lo and behold, he does it, and he is uh, supernaturally healed. Uh, another Old Testament passage, there's a widow woman. Uh, she comes to Elijah and said, hey, uh, we owe so much money. Our children are collateral. Can you please help me? And he said, I want you to get some vessels of oil, some bowls, some storage units. And if you'll just get those things and bring them here, you just start pouring oil from what little bit you have. You don't have enough. He said, if you'll just start pouring, uh, oil is going to come out of that vessel until every one that you put up there is filled. And that's exactly what happened. It happened because she obeyed. Now, the natural mind would say, well, that's impossible. This is only, whatever, 16 ounces, 32 ounces. When it's empty, it's empty. Not with God. Remember, all things are possible with God. Sure. How many know the early church was filled with the Holy Spirit the day of Pentecost, all because they obeyed the Lord when he said, stay in Jerusalem? You remember, there was a blind man. His name was Saul. He was blinded by light when he came to Christ, but he couldn't see God's destiny for him was that he would go and literally write two-thirds of the New Testament, establish Christianity in the Mediterranean world. But it happened because a man named Ananias obeyed the Lord, went to him, prayed for him. He was physically healed and filled with the Holy Spirit. So you could just look through the pages of the Bible and we could just spend all morning with just little two-sentence blips about people experiencing something supernatural through obedience. Now, with that background, I want to go into a little more detail with two stories. One with Peter and second an Old Testament one with a widow. Let's look at Peter first. It was Peter's obedience that opened the door to the supernatural. Now, we're in Luke chapter 5. It's early in Jesus' ministry. He's got followers, but he doesn't have apostles yet. He's preaching by the lake of Genesaret. And uh, basically, uh, there's so many people coming there that Jesus gets in a boat, and he is right on the edge preaching out of the boat uh, that the fishermen had used all night. Now, look at Luke 5, verse 4. When Jesus finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. But Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and hadn't caught anything. But notice the catchphrase, but... Say it with me, but because you say so, I'm going to let down the nets. And verse 6, this was obedience. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Now, how many believe that literally happened? Sure it did. Sure it did. It was an incredible thing. Now, let me just make a couple observations. First, as we've been saying, our ability to experience the supernatural is dependent on our obedience. Do you think he'd have caught any fish if he'd have just said, hey, look, man, 
I fished all night. If you want to give me some fish, just put them in the boat yourself, okay? No. Our, his obedience opened the door. But notice what else. Obedience to God will sometimes require that we defy our logic and experience. In other words, the Lord might ask you to do something that just doesn't make sense. Now, how many know professional fishermen know more about fishing than rabbis? Okay, so Peter, listen, I mean, he's a man's man. He's caught fish all his life. He knows how to do it. And he knows you catch more fish at night with nets than in the daytime. Now, they didn't have monofilament line like we do today. If you were to go down to Gander Mountain, you could probably get six different colors of monofilament line that would hide your line in the water. But in their day, they had, it was almost like letting, letting a blanket down in the water with their nets. And it was better fishing at night. They'd fished all night. They hadn't caught anything. These wise, smart fishermen, they knew the currents, they knew the tides, but they caught zip. And Jesus now says, I want you to obey me in spite of what you've experienced. I just want you to do it. And that's what they did. Now, but you might say, well, now, preacher, that was Jesus telling Peter. Okay, well, let me ask you to think this way. It was the Son of God that told Peter, well, how many know it's the Holy Spirit the Spirit of God that lives inside the Christian. And, and don't you think that if Jesus can tell us something and the Holy Spirit tells us something, don't you think we can have the same outcome? Well, listen to what Jesus said, John 16, verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will do what? He'll guide you into all truth. And number two, He will declare to you things that are to come. So the Holy Spirit living in the believer, John 14, says He's called the Helper. Well, what does the Helper do? Helps you live life. So Jesus has basically said, I'm going to help you live life more effectively by allowing the Holy Spirit to be in you if you'll listen to him. Because the Holy Spirit, Scripture says, will he'll teach you the Bible. Is that what it says? He'll teach you theology. Well, he'll do that, but he'll teach you all things. So doesn't it make sense that if Jesus could tell us something to do and miracles what happened or the supernatural, that when the Holy Spirit gives you guidance... When you're praying and asking the Lord what job he wants you to be on, come on, who to marry, whether to move, whether to, what school to go to, you know, what car to buy. Doesn't it make sense that the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, can speak to us? Absolutely. It is normal Christianity. It's not mystical. It's not weird. But it's intended to be normal. And uh, that's what happened to Peter is something supernatural happened when he obeyed. Now look at verse 8. When Peter saw this supernatural act, he fell at Jesus' knees, and he said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Now, I want you to think, Peter had just listened to one of the greatest sermons he'd ever heard in his life when Jesus was preaching out of that boat. But that sermon was not what brought him to conviction. It was something supernatural, come on, when he saw the hand of God displayed. Look at verse 9. He and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish. And Jesus said to Simon, verse 10, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So what did they do? They, once again, they obeyed. They pulled up their boats on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Now, let me give you what I think is a, what is, is a, a significant principle in this, in this idea of opening the door. And it's this. Supernatural events often follow a kingdom purpose. Let me say it again. Supernatural events, most of the time, are not random. I would say perhaps never random. But super, uh, supernatural events follow a kingdom purpose. Uh, again, it was not the sermon 
that changed Peter's life. It was the supernatural, and after that, he yielded his life. He became apostle. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and he went on to, he would be the, the main voice on the day of Pentecost, the main leader of the church. Something happened when, when, when there is, we are uh, uh, following a kingdom purpose. God is more apt to come alongside of us. You see, miracles are not like going to the red box or this supernatural uh, experience. Not like going to the red box and saying, I want a drama, I want action, I want, you know, PG-13, I want this, I want G. Uh, we don't get to pick and choose like that. If we're just praying and asking God, come on, for, for just things we want, a better car, a duck lease, a this or that. Listen, God cares about us. Scripture says if you delight yourself in the Lord, come on, He he give you the desires of your heart. He's a good God. He wants to provide for us. But I'll tell you, when you're in partnership with him in a kingdom enterprise, you are much more apt to see the supernatural at work. See, God's looking at the earth today. God is looking at the nation of Iraq, and he's looking at the fact that Christianity in Iraq, uh, according to the news, could disappear because of the violence of the Muslims right now. In the town of Mosul this past week, there were 30 Christian churches and Christian buildings. The Muslims drove out every Christian that was there. They wrote some Muslim slogan on the wall to identify them as Christians. I'm telling you, the church in Iraq is under attack. They need an outpouring of God's Spirit over there. Come on. They need something supernatural to help them. They can't just look to the American government and say, where are you? Israel can't just look to the American government and say, where are you? But listen, there's needs there. How about needs in Liberty Ilo School District this year? How about needs in Pleasant Grove and Texas High? Kids that don't have parents. Kids that are this year will commit rape and acts of violence and murder. Come on. Kids that are needing a, a change of life. They need people that can get in partnership with God. Come on, be after a kingdom purpose and do what Jesus tells us to do and go reap a harvest in this crazy world. Come on, go establish the kingdom of God in this crazy world that we're in today. Now listen, I'm all for God helping me and giving me daily bread and providing for me, but I have given my life to Christ. Come on, I'm a servant of the living God. I'm a bond slave. I'm the one in the ship that's rowing for the Lord. I'm living on purpose for Him. And my friends, as you look through the pages of Scripture, you will see that the supernatural virtually always follows those that are on a mission from God. Right. Preaching better than your amening this morning. Paul deeply depended on the supernatural. Second Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, Paul the Apostle now, he said, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. Now, mind you, he was one of the most educated people of his day, but he didn't just depend on the letters behind his name. What he was saying was this. He was saying, I'm depending on a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So your faith won't rest on human wisdom, but on the power of God. You see, it's not an argument that can convince someone to become a Christian. Come on. It's not, a, it's not a, a therapy session that can drive out a demon. How many know it's a need of the Holy Spirit to move in supernatural ways in the midst of the world? And Paul knew that right off the bat. He knew that the supernatural acts of the Holy Spirit could change a life. I have been changed by the supernatural acts of the Holy Spirit. I was changed at 19 when the Holy Spirit convicted me simply because a Gideon came up and told me a, a, a room of 150 people and he said, Jesus Christ can change your life. And everybody else laughed at him, but I was listening, come on, because the Spirit of God was granting me repentance, leading me to life. And that one moment in encounter with God, he gave me a Bible and a couple days later I said yes to Jesus. I'm your pastor today. I'm here today because of one word from the Holy Spirit before I ever attended this 
this church to preach at it. The Lord told me he wanted me to come here. I'm telling you, supernatural things direct our lives. It was a supernatural word. I was reading the Bible. Ten days into my wife's cancer, didn't know what to do. Life was in a turmoil. And one obscure Old Testament verse, all is well, come on, was as if God was speaking right to me. And it helped me in the storm. Uh, I'm living in the house I live in today in Redwater because someone had a word for me, a prophecy for me that confirmed what I was feeling. Let me tell you what happened. Many, many, many years ago, we were living in Wake Village, and I, I was raised in the country, and I just kind of wanted to get back to my roots. It was a Saturday night. My wife and I rarely go out on Saturdays. That was before we had Saturday church, but we would just stay home getting ready for church. Well, we went out that night, and we're sitting on a bench. We're waiting. It was actually a little Italian restaurant that was downtown right by the post office before it closed. And uh, we were sitting outside waiting because th- th- there was a line. And we were saying, we were just saying, do we want to move, you know, do we want to live out? And I said, honey, I, I really would like to, you know, to kind of get out of the city and get a, little, get a little space, a little breathing room. Well, we didn't tell anybody. The next morning we come to church and, and, and we have prayer with our elders before service. One of the elders says, Pastor, I was praying for you last night and the Lord, and the Lord showed me a vision. He said, I saw you standing by some water and a house. And I feel like the Lord's saying, it's okay for you to get that house. Now, we didn't post it on Facebook. Supernatural. And this is not mysticism. It's not weird. Come on. It is not spooky. It should be the normal Christian life. And that's what I'm trying to tell you today. Let's let the Bible be normal. Come on. Not our experience, you know, normalize our theology. Let's let our theology and our faith surround itself, come on, with the Bible, the living Word of God, and let's grow into what the Bible teaches rather than dumb down our experience, what we believe to our experiences. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord this morning. All right, let let me give you a second example here about how obedience opens the door. Here's a widow woman in the Old Testament here. Go to 1 Kings chapter 17. Now, the background, Israel is a nation under God's judgment for Baal worship. I mean, those guys, you know, had turned their back on the one true God, and they're worshiping idols and sticks. Now, Elijah is on the scene at the time, and Elijah had had a word from God here, supernatural. He had a word from God, and he prophesied to the king, to the Israeli king, Israelite king, and he said, God's going to stop the rain, basically, at my word, until this nation turns around. Well, he says that, and then he heads off in the woods. And lo and behold, the exact same thing happened. No rain for several years. Now, how many know around here, uh, if it goes three weeks without rain, you can tell the plants are starting to wilt. You will find, we had a drought a couple summers ago. You remember those oak trees were dying and big trees? Well, it started raining. So we had maybe three or four months that it didn't rain. Well, imagine if it went two and a half years and didn't rain. I mean, they're in great, great trouble. But the neat thing was when God sent Elijah in the wilderness, God supernaturally took care of him. If you were to read the scripture, you would see that he said, I'm going to send you to some water. You'll drink water from the brook. It wasn't polluted. And I'm going to send ravens or crows or birds to feed you. Now, I would imagine or like to think at least that that bird would ask Elijah what he wanted and he would go to Ironwood Grill and say, I'd like to have the blackened fish tacos for lunch today. Or, or maybe he might go to Smashburger, come on, and, and get a burger with fresh jalapenos on it. Now, I don't know what he got, but the point is, is that God supernaturally, come on, fed Elijah. Now, let's enter the story at this point. 1 Kings 17, verse 7. Uh, then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Now, it's interesting. Zarephath was not in the Israelite territory. It was in the Gentile territory, signifying the fact that the man of God was going to be taken care of. The mercy was coming not 
where his chosen people were, but because they were in sin, he was coming to the Gentiles. But what I want you to see, he mentioned the city of Zarephath, and there's a widow there. And do you know that Jesus is going to reference this same widow in early in the Gospel of Luke? So it's a very significant thing that's happening here that's going to be remembered literally hundreds of years later, and this woman is going to be extolled. Now, go and live there. Now, if the Lord told you, for example, um, you're not going to have to, to do anything for a living, but you're just going to go over to uh, somebody's house, and uh, they're going to take care of you. And uh, you get over to their house, and uh, you tell them, I'm hungry. And they say, well, I don't have any food. I, I don't have any food. As a matter of fact, I'm fixing to lose the house I'm living in, too. You'd scratch your head a little bit and wonder, well, did the Lord really send me here? Now, let's explore this story because there's some observations we need to make. And first of all, one is this. There were no Walmarts in the wilderness. But God doesn't need a Walmart to take care of you. Right now, the system that we're using in this world today involves restaurants and food trucks and Walmarts and Sam's and all those kind of things. But how many know if all that collapses, God can still take care of us? Listen, God uses these natural processes, come on, but God can supernaturally take care of his people because God's not bound, come on, he's not bound by the laws that bind us. Here's another big one. Circumstances may change, but God doesn't change. Elijah's brook dried up. Now, I want you to listen to this. I'm fully convinced that many Christians have had an encounter with God and they've lived at a brook. And when God tries to change their experience and the brook dries up, they don't want to go any farther. They want life to be anchored at the brook. Well, here's the deal. What worked yesterday for you may not be what God wants to do tomorrow. And we have to constantly be ready to move with God, to move with His Holy Spirit, lest we get stuck in the past. But Elijah was no longer able to drink water there, so he had to once again be in the place of faith and obedience because his future provision, now hear this, was tied to his obedience. There are no more Happy Meals from ravens. There's no more water in this brook. All he knows is he's supposed to go to a village. Now look what happens verse 10. He shows up at the village Zarephath, and as he arrived at the village, or as he walked through the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And you might say in today's terminology, boy, that sure was lucky. I bet he was rubbing his rabbit's foot all the way from the wilderness to Zarephath. No, listen, you can rub the hair off that rabbit's foot, and nothing will happen. The only thing that rabbit's good for is the rabbit to get around on. Come on, it's not helping you a bit. There's some things in our world today. Luck, mother nature, superstition, astrology. Listen, don't waste your time reading astrology. Come on. The only thing that's good for is revenue for the newspaper. That does not help you whatsoever. Because your destiny is not tied up in the stars. Come on, your destiny is tied up in the one who made the stars. So... What do we see? He walks in this village. He's hungry. He's thirsty. He doesn't have any, and God has supernaturally arranged an encounter. Can I tell you, the same God that arranged that supernatural encounter can arrange supernatural encounters in your life. I don't care if it's in your business, the person you're going to marry, the place you're supposed to live, where you're supposed to go to school in life. God is a supernatural God, and he wants to arrange things. Notice what he said. He said, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she's going to get it, he said, bring me a bite of bread, too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I've only got a handful of flour left in a jar and a little cooking oil. In other words, I'm going to make me a little, a little burrito and we're going to be gone. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. 
Now, do you think Elijah might have thought, boy, God made a mistake here. God didn't know what he was doing when he sent me to this world. I must have got the wrong widow. I mean, how in the world can a poor person give me something to eat? How would you feel, let's just say, uh, your, your, your rent's due or your car is due tomorrow, your car payment, and if you don't pay it, you're going to lose the house or lose the car. And let's just say it's $400, and you got $400 in your pocket, and uh, you came to church today, you got that $400, and you're ready to go pay your bill, and the Holy Spirit speaks to you, and He tells you, uh, let's say you, you came to the meal after church, and, and you sat with someone, and they told you about a medical need, or whatever the case is, but the Holy Spirit told you to give them $200. Now, how many would know that'd be a pretty hard thing to do to give them $200? Because if I, listen, if I don't have anything to eat and I got a, a, a little piece of bread here, and if this is my $400 worth of bread, and if I do this, how many know I, 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 I don't have but $200 anymore? Well, do you know God can take this and turn it into this? Okay. Well, I'm going to keep going with this now. Make me... Uh, Look at verse 13. So Elijah said to the woman, don't be afraid, but you go ahead and do just what you've said. In other words, get the sticks, make the fire, and I want you to make a little bread for me. First, I want you to do what I tell you to do, and then I want you to take some for yourself. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son, for this is what the Lord says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain. So what does that mean? There's a promise that God's going to do something supernatural if she obeys. So that's the situation that she finds herself in, if she obeys. Now listen, how many know that fear or selfishness could have made her hold on? Listen, we all understand this today. If, 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 you've, got, if you've got this much food for you, if you give half of it to me, you're not going to have enough to fill you up. And fear can settle in. Selfishness can set in. We can feel like if we do what God asks us to do, we'll never make it because after all, God's limited by the things that limit me. Because he's not limited by what limits us. She is, she's this far away from death and she's this far away from life. And it all depends on whether she obeyed, had faith and obeyed or whether she disobeyed. Listen, uh, you know, sometimes you have to give to get. Sometimes you have to take your piece of bread and you have to give some of it to somebody else so you can have more. Now, Jesus even said this, Luke 6.38, Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. Now, in my opinion, that's probably the most abused scripture in the Christian church, and especially Christian TV and money in the last, you know, 20, 30 years. But... Lay abuse aside just a second. It's not a manipulative tool, but it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a truth in the Scripture that sometimes our giving would open the door to God's blessing because her giving was an act of her faith. It was an act of her obedience. Because, listen, if her faith opened the door, what would her disobedience have done? Close the door. Let's see what happened here. Let me wrap this up. Look at verse 15. She did as Elijah said. In other words, she went, she went back to her house and she took all the flour and she took all the oil. And what she did first was she made some and she gave Elijah some. And then she and her son ate. Notice what the scripture says. She, she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for how long? Many days. Many days. You say, how, could that, how is that possible, Pastor? Because God did something supernatural. 
She obeyed, and God multiplied it. Notice verse 16. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Her obedience opened the door. Listen, God did it for her, and how many believe that God can do it for us too? That if we will say yes to the Lord in whatever He tells us to do, that He's a supernatural God. Let me see if I can illustrate it to you here. I want you to imagine now that this is, this is the, the, the widow in, in her loaf. And let's just imagine that she's looking at it and uh, she tells her son, she said, Son, this is it. This is all we've got. And when that's over, it's just over, son. We're going to die. And how many know if you have a loaf of bread like this and you take and you make a sandwich, you put some butter or whatever the case on it, you put some, you put some turkey, you put some salmon. How many know when it's gone, it's gone. And the more sandwiches you make, the less bread you have. That's just the way it, that's the way it works in my house. I, I get some, uh, some Ezekiel bread at the granary, and uh, I take a piece out, and before I know it, uh, 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 that, that loaf is empty. And my wife said, you have to go to the store and buy some more because there's only 20 pieces of bread, and that's 10 sandwiches, and when it's over, it's over. Well, God works a little differently. You see, God has the ability to say, okay, uh, widow, if you'll go ahead and make a sandwich for Elijah first, and you give him that sandwich, it's not going to affect your loaf. And you know what? Then I want you to go ahead and make a sandwich for your son. And that's not going to affect your loaf. And then I want you to go ahead and take some. And then I want you to eat it. And that's not going to affect how much you have. Because God somehow was supernatural. Come on. Just like he was when Jesus fed the multitude. How many know the same God that fed the multitude, the same God that fed the widow and Elijah, is the same God that can feed us? Come on. Somebody say praise the Lord this morning. He's a supernatural God. And he can multiply See, now, 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 I multiplied it because we cut out the back of the loaf. So mine was a, mine was a trick. But how many know God's not in the trick business? God's in the doing it real business. And he's looking for people that have had a little bit of faith and that will believe what he says. Let me close with a story here. It's a, it's a testimony, actually, from last Monday. We've been talking about our faith and obedience to the Lord. Last Monday, I had a friend come to my house, and he was going to empty my septic tank for me. So he comes up with this great big old truck at 9 in the morning, and, you know, so it was at the back of the house. So we run all these pipes out to the back and get everything set up, ready to go. He turns his big motor on in the truck, and nothing happens. And we're thinking, oh, gosh. So he checks all the pipes and everything, and he looks up on this top of this big old truck, and uh, he realizes the top is missing. And it takes this engineered top because it has to create suction to do the work. Well, that top, now, was about this big. It was not something you could just go and buy at Walmart or buy at Lowe's. It was not something you could fix with duct tape. You understand what I'm talking about? And he said, man, I know what happened. He said, when I left the house this morning, I washed the tank down, I cleaned everything out, and I forgot to put the top back on. And I don't know where it is. So now we're thinking, we're already sweating. We've been digging in the yard. It's hot. We're thinking, oh, gosh, we're going to have to wait a week to order it and all that kind of stuff. I said, well, let's do this. Let's get in my truck. Now, he lived in Liberty, Iowa, which is 15 miles away. That top had been laying somewhere on his truck that he set it down on. I said, let's get in my truck. We're going to go, and we're going to see if we can find that thing. Well, we got in the truck, and the first thing we did was is we looked at each other and said, let's pray, and let's ask God to show us where it is because God knows exactly where that top is. Exactly. So we start driving down my driveway. If you've ever been to my house, about a quarter of a mile, you come to a main road, 1214. Well, guess what was sitting about two feet from the edge of the road in the middle of the road about this big? Right by my house, that top. Now look. Well, you sure were lucky, preacher. Well, I think God was watching out for me that day. 
He drove 15 miles around curves. Come on. And if you're driving 65 miles an hour down Highway 67 and that truck is vibrating, if that top is anywhere on that thing, it's falling off. And when you make a turn here and a turn there, how in the world did that thing end up right at my house? I think somehow the Lord was involved in that. And I don't know what else it did, but I'll tell you one thing it did for, the, for that man and I. When we saw that top, we looked at each other and we said, look what God did. And our faith was built up because we are looking and expecting and believing for God to be involved in all the affairs of our life. Now, I'll tell you a little funny story on me. I get back to the house and uh, he's finishing the work and I walk through my, uh, under my carport and I had two watermelons laying by the steps. I'd been to Mississippi and I got them out of my brother's watermelon patch. How many like watermelons? Let me see your hand. Yeah, boy, me too. I like them a bunch. I could eat watermelons all day long. And I walked past those two watermelons and I heard the Holy Spirit say, give him one of them. And I said, those are my watermelons. <laughs> I've been a Christian a long time. Sometimes I know the voice of the Lord and sometimes I don't. But I knew that that was the voice of the Lord right then. And it took me about 15 seconds to fight with God. Come on over a watermelon. You've never done anything like that. I'm sure many of you will find a new church next Sunday to find a really good preacher. But I'm just telling you, sometimes I struggle with stuff like that. But I have been learning in my life, I want to say yes quicker rather than wait a long time. See, how many know there's not a whole lot of difference between give somebody that watermelon and give Elijah the first piece of bread? Now look, you can go buy another watermelon all over town right now, but that woman couldn't buy bread anywhere because she didn't have any money. You know what she needed to do? She needed to learn that God-fearing woman. She needed to learn to hear and obey what God said to do because her future was tied to it. You know what, friends? Obedience opened the door to the supernatural in the past, and obedience will open the door for us today. Come on, give him a good hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet with me this morning, and we're going we're gonna to close with a song. Hope you got something out of this. Next week, we'll continue it, uh, the third part of opening the door. But don't check out just yet. They're going to have some enchiladas and stuff in the cafe. But, but I want you to give just a moment and just say, Lord, what are you trying to say to me through this message? Because this is probably more than just a, a message to feel, help you feel good and encourage you. God may well be speaking to you about something. Could we just sing this song together? And could you just give God another moment and say, Lord, what are you saying to me? Jesus at the center